following message was delivered at Bible Baptist Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. Hebrews 10, beginning in verse 32. The Bible says, But call to remembrance the former days, in which after ye were illuminated, ye endured a great fight of afflictions, partly whilst ye were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly whilst ye became companions of them that were so used, for ye had compassion of me and my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourself that he have a better and an enduring substance. Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense or reward. For you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back into perdition, but them uh, that believe to the saving of the soul. My main text is verse 35, where the Bible says, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. I want to preach on the subject this morning, an exhortation to, <clears throat> to continued confidence in the Lord. An exhortation to continued confidence in the Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, again, as we come before you this morning, God, thank you for those who are with us today. And I pray, Father, for those who could not be with us for varying reasons, some who are sick, some who are out of town. I, I pray for my wife. I miss her already, and yet I pray for her while she's gone that you bring her back to me. And, Father, I pray, Lord, that you bless this time that we spend in thy word this morning. God, thank you for the eternal word of God. Thank you for the eternal God in whom we have confidence and Lord, our confidence is never misplaced when we put it in Thee. And I pray, God, that You'd help us to see this exhortation to continued confidence as we are living in troubled times. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Again, uh, an exhortation to continued confidence in uh, the Lord. Now, here in our text, the Apostle Paul is striving to exhort these Hebrew believers who are going through much in their life for the cause of Christ. And, you know, we're living in, in difficult, troubled times ourselves and, and uh, uh, times that are upsetting all kinds of people all, kind, all across the world. And uh, many are trying to figure out why it's happening, what they're to do because these things are happening. And, you know, folks, sometimes we begin, some people lose heart, uh, they become despondent, depressed, dis and, you know, just overall just upset. And, uh, you know, it's, it's understandable. You know, even sometimes Christian people, if we're not careful, can begin to uh, lose confidence. And sometimes, folks, uh, you know, if our confidence is in the wrong place, maybe we need to lose that and get it reaffirmed, amen, in the right place. But the word confidence in our text means a, a trusting or reliance upon another, an assurance of mind and heart, or firm belief in the integrity, stability, or veracity of another or in the truth and reality of a fact. Look with me to Psalm 118 this morning. Psalm 118, if you don't have a Bible, there should be one in your pew, or maybe someone can help him to find, help someone to find a Bible if you don't have one, because we're going to use it this morning. Psalm 118, looking at verses 8 and 9. Psalm 118, looking at verses 8 and 9. The Bible says, It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. You know, princes are just men, even though they may have authority and power, uh, they're just men. 
and men are men. And, you know, even as I consider uh, those that are struggling with uh, physical illnesses and whatever, you know, ultimately my confidence isn't in the doctors that are dealing with my mom, but rather the God that is the God of heaven, the God of creation who can direct the doctors and help maybe help her to get the, the help she needs as, as much as God wants to be the help of all mankind, if you will, Psalm 62 Psalm 62 and verse 8 this morning. Psalm 62 and verse 8. Psalm 62 and verse 8. The Bible says here, Trust in the Lord at all times. Now, trust is to put your confidence in the Lord at all times. Ye people, pour out your heart before him, God is a refuge for us. Trust in him at all times. You know, folks, God uh, wants to hear from you. He wants you to pour out your heart, share your heart with him, the things that you're burdened with. You know, um, Charles Haddon Spurgeon said this. He said that when you have no helpers, see all your helpers in God. When you have many helpers, see God in all your helpers. When you have nothing but God... See all in God. When you have everything, see God in everything. Under all conditions, stay thy heart only on the Lord. You know, folks, come what may, whether we have many or few helpers, really our help and our hope needs to be in the Lord. Our confidence needs to be in Him. Now, as we look back to our text in Hebrews chapter 10 this morning, Hebrews uh, chapter 10. We need to consider a few things in Hebrews 10 and we'll begin again in verse 32. The Bible says, but call to remembrance the former days. And as we consider not casting away our confidence or if you will, the exhortation to confidence or continued confidence in the Lord, we want to consider and what Paul is driving, and he calls them to remembrance, to, if you will, to help reestablish or reaffirm their confidence in the Lord. First of all, he calls them to remember the past. He says in verse 32, but call to remembrance the former days, in the which after that you were illuminated, you endured a great fight of afflictions, partly whilst you were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, partly whilst you became companions of them that were so used for he had compassion of me and my bonds and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods knowing in yourselves that you have uh, have in heaven a better and enduring substance he says he's calling them to remembrance and to remember the past if you will uh, someone once said ralph ralph waldo emerson said this all i have seen teaches me to trust the creator for all i have not seen All I have seen teaches me to trust the Creator for all I have not seen. The Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth His handiwork. Day into day utter speech and night into night there is knowledge. You know, God has spoken to man through the creative work of God. He says, here I am and I show myself to you by what I have created. You know, this world didn't happen by accident. Although there are some that look like they happened by accident. Amen. It's not the case. The reality is, is this world is here on purpose because of uh, the Lord, uh, the divine creator. But he says, calling us, uh, if you will, to remembrance. First of all, he says 
in verse 32, called to remembrance the former days in which after you were illuminated. The first thing he calls them to remembrance is to remember your illumination or salvation. One of the most important ways in which we can reestablish and and have continued confidence in the Lord is to remember the time in which we put our confidence, our faith, and trust in Christ and Christ alone to save us uh, by his grace. Look with me to John chapter 1. John chapter 1 this morning. And we'll begin in verse 1. John 1 and beginning in verse 1. Talking about remembering your illumination. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He's speaking of John Baptist. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of that light, the light being Jesus Christ, that all men through him might believe. He was not the light, speaking of John Baptist, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Jesus called himself in John 8 and many other places. He said, I am the light of the world. He that believeth in me shall not walk in a darkness. But as we read on in verse 10, he was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, speaking of the Jews, and his own received him not. But as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe in his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John, speaking of the word, being Jesus Christ, became the living word of God, became flesh, dwelt among us. The Bible says in verse 15, we bear him, John bear witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake, he that cometh after me, is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Folks, by the grace of God, by faith in Jesus Christ, if you will, we had our eyes open to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we repented and believed that gospel, and were saved. Look with me to Acts 26, Acts chapter 26, and Paul is reminding them of these truths, of these facts, of the past. I'll tell you something. If you're saved by the grace of God, that day you will never forget. That day you will never forget. It's called the day of salvation. I was saved April 27th of 1980. I remember the day on the calendar. Sometimes people forget the day on the calendar, but you'll never forget the day in which you finally, uh, God opened your heart and your mind and showed you uh, that Christ was the answer, and that by grace through faith in Him, you turned from your sin to Christ and trusted Him and Him alone, putting your confidence and faith in Him alone to save you by His grace. In Acts 26, Acts 26, beginning in verse 12, the Apostle Paul is standing before King Agrippa, giving testimony to this uh, king of his faith in Christ. In Acts 26 and 12, whereupon I, as I went to Damascus, we'll find that Paul's salvation in Acts chapter 9, we won't look there. But he says, whereupon as I went to Damascus with authority 
and commission from the chief priest, that means the chief priest among the Jews, at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and there and them which journeyed with me. And when we were fallen, all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me, saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. God, the Holy Spirit, was already turning the light on in his heart, showing, trying to show Saul of Tarsus, this Pharisee of the Pharisees, you're lost. You need to be saved. You're wrong. And uh, now God has stopped him on the road to Damascus by a light, if you will, the light of Jesus Christ. And it says here <clears throat> in verse 15, And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus, whom thou persecutest. He was persecuting Christians. And he says, You persecute them, you persecute me. <clears throat> but he says in verse 16, But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and of the things in which, in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Here, the Apostle Paul, who was Saul of Tarsus, he was a religious man, but lost. He was a, a very staunch conservative Jew, lost and on the road to hell. God stopped him on the road to Damascus, turned the light of the glorious gospel on in his heart and his mind. He was saved, illuminated unto a salvation in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, <clears throat> beginning in verse 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and uh, beginning in uh, verse 3, here the Apostle Paul, writing to the uh, church at Corinth, said this, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world, and the God of this world he's speaking of is the devil, the little g God of this world, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. When anyone comes to Christ in salvation, they're saved by the grace of God. It's a work of illumination by the Spirit of God in their hearts that they might know that Jesus is the Christ, the Savior of the world, and that knowing that, they can call upon Him if they truly believe, put their confidence and faith and trust in Him and Him alone for salvation. And as Paul is writing uh, to these Hebrew believers in Hebrews chapter 10, he is calling them to remember the time, the days in which God had, had illuminated them unto salvation. Not, not only that, but he calls them to remember their sufferings for Christ's sake, if you will. Looking back to our text in Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. <clears throat> and again, looking at verse 32. Hebrews chapter 10, looking at verse 32. The Bible says, But call to remembrance the former days, in which after ye were illuminated, ye endured a great fight of afflictions, Partly whilst you were made a gazing stock. That means that people were gazing at them, mocking them, ridiculing them for being Christians and speaking of that. Both, both by reproaches and afflictions. Partly 
while she became companions of them uh, that were so used. Their friends were going through the very same things that they were going through as Christian people. And folks, it was not a pleasant time, and yet they endured it because they had put their faith and confidence in Christ and Christ alone, and they stood up and were counted for Christ's sake. They did not deny the fact that they were Christians before an ungodly world, but rather professed themselves to be Christians before a lost and a dying world that needed to know. In Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, looking at verse 10, Matthew 5, and beginning in verse 10, our Lord Jesus Christ taught his disciples, his followers, that these things would happen to them. So when they happened, they wouldn't be surprised. Blessed, he says, are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heavens. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Christ is warning them, teaching his disciples, his followers, those that had put their confidence and faith and trust in Christ and would go out to pro- uh, preach the gospel, would go out to proclaim that they were Christians and that we ought to put our faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone. He said, you're going to suffer persecution. Not everybody's going to like the fact that you're a Christian. Not everybody's going to pat you in the back and say, boy, I'm glad you're a Christian, and I'm glad you're talking to me about Christ. Many won't like it. They won't praise you for doing so. Acts 8 and 1. Acts 8 and 1. Acts chapter 8 and verse 1. Paul is trying, if you will, to help them to have a continued confidence in the Lord, if you will, this is an exhortation for this, but he, he does so by calling them to remember, if you will, the last, uh, their, their past, their past illumination and salvation, their past sufferings, as Acts chapter 8 and verse 1. The Bible says, and Saul, and that Saul was the one who was converted on the road to Damascus, we just read about, he became the apostle Paul, but before, listen, before he was a Christian, He was a persecutor of Christians. And Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time there was a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. And as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. I mean, Saul of Tarsus went after Christians with a vengeance. He stood by while the, the, the first professed Christian martyr being Stephen was stoned to death. And he cried out against Stephen. He held the coats of those that stoned Stephen to death. And now here he is actively persecuting Christians. He understood that they had, these Hebrew believers that he was talking to now had been under persecution. And at one time maybe he himself had persecuted some of them. He said, but remember, they had gone through these things because of their confidence in the God that loved them and saved them by his grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Philippians 1 and 29. Philippians 1 and 29. You know, as a Christian, 
If you're going to live for Christ and be light in a dark world, not everybody's going to be glad for it. And sometimes they're going to mistreat you for it. Uh, they may, you know, <clears throat> they may beat you up. I mean, any number of kinds of things can happen. I remember years ago when my, uh, my wife was in public school in North Dakota, she was going to the public school and she was beaten up and misused and what have you uh, for being a Christian and for being somebody who was different than they were. Say it didn't happen, it did happen. You know, bullying's been around for a long time. You know, those in, in public schools who young people who stand up for Christ's sake may risk being abused and mistreated by their peers. Folks, it's, it's going on and has gone on. In Philippians 1 and 29, Paul writes here to the church of Philippi, For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake having the same conflict which he saw in me and now here to be in me. Paul himself, who had been Saul of Tarsus, the persecutor, was now being persecuted for his faith and warned these Philippian believers that they themselves would be partakers of this same suffering. But folks, to help them to remember that you're going through this for the right reason. You know, it's one thing to suffer because you're a dum-dum because you've done something wrong. It's another thing to suffer for doing something right and doing something to serve Christ. That's altogether different. We should not be ashamed of the times in which we may suffer for doing that which is right and suffer for Christ's sake, if you will. He calls them <clears throat> to remember their illumination and salvation, he calls them to remember their suffering for Christ, and calls them to remember they're giving help to Paul in the ministry. Looking back to Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 34. Hebrews 10 and 34. These Hebrew believers were not necessarily rich people, as there are probably not many rich, uh, rich Christians. Now, let me say this. In America... <clears throat> There are not as many poor people as there used to be. Some people are poor because they're lazy. Some people are poor because they live out in the middle of nowhere, in the, in the sticks somewhere, trying to live by themselves, and they're living poor. But in America, a lot of people, and most people, are not poor. We don't know what real poverty is all about. But <clears throat> these Hebrew believers, because of what they were going through, because of their rejection and mistreatment, you know, in our world today, there are, across the world, there are people that when they get saved in certain kinds of societies are kicked out of their families, they lose their jobs, and sometimes even lose their lives, even in our day today, for being a Christian. And yet they confidently stand up and live for God and call themselves Christians and follow the Lord. Sometimes some Christians are, are literally murdered as soon as they're done being baptized as a Christian. So it doesn't happen, it happens in this world. It may very well be happening even as I speak today somewhere in this world. But you know, there were those and there's always been Christians, no matter how poor they may be, who have always given to help the ministry, the gospel ministry go forward. He says in verse 34, For ye had compassion of me and my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, 
knowing in yourselves that you have in, that you have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. He said, listen, you know, I remember, do you remember what you, the, the price you paid sometimes with what little you had? You paid a price to help me to do what God had called me to do. Matthew 6, look with me there, Matthew 6 and 19. Matthew 6 and 19. <clears throat> you know, there have been, I've heard some Christians tell me, well, I, I can't afford to give, preacher. Really? Who can afford to give? You know, there, there have been a lot of times in my life where I haven't felt like I could afford to give, but we give anyway. And folks, sometimes giving is, is learning to do without. The Bible says for the Christian, we're to take up our cross, deny ourselves, and follow the Lord. And that may mean deny ourselves extra cash to give to support the, the work of the Lord. In Matthew 6 and 19, Jesus said, Lay not for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasures, there will your heart be also. You know, folks, if we learn to give what God has given to us, on our jobs, you say, well, I work for that. Why should I give it away? You know what? You know, if you, if you don't give it to the work of the Lord sometimes, you'll probably waste it on something else. Or you may put it in a bank and amass a great amount of wealth in a bank and then die one day and you'll take none of it with you. You know, the important thing is, is if God's given us an ability to earn some money, get wealth, to, you, know, you know what, folks, to lay it up in the bank of heaven. Because we've given our tithes, we've given our offerings to support the work of the Lord, the work of missions around the world. In Philippians chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4, <clears throat> he calls them to remember how they had given. And the Bible doesn't teach that they were wealthy people, and yet they gave anyway. In Philippians, you know, there's, it's amazing how much how much good work is done and accomplished by ordinary people who give what God has told them to give, even if it costs them something, even if they have to do without, only to see great things done because of it. In Philippians chapter 4, looking at verse 10, the Bible says, and Paul wrote, But I rejoice in, in, the, in the Lord greatly now that now at the last time your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. They wanted to help Paul. They lacked an opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, <clears throat> uh, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. The word communication speaks of giving. Context bears it out. Now you Philippians know also that in, the, in the, that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not that I desired a gift, but I desired fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound, I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory 
by Christ Jesus. Folks, when we give to the work of the Lord, we give to missions, we give to support the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know what God does? He gives back to us. He takes care of us. He supplies our need as we try to supply the needs of the gospel ministry. And Paul is reminding them, you know, there was a time when they gave and they gave and they gave to help Paul stay in the ministry. They had confidence in God to supply all their need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So Paul is calling them, if you will, exhorting them to continue in their confidence in the Lord by way, if you will, of remembering the past, if you will, Hebrews 10. And secondly, he calls them to remember, uh, to remember patience. In Hebrews 10, Hebrews chapter 10, and look in verses 36 and 37. Well, we'll start in verse 35. He says again, as we're talking about an exhortation to continued confidence in the Lord, he says, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense and reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Here now we see his call to patience. Now, you know what? <clears throat> One of the greatest times in which we need patience sometimes is in the midst of suffering and difficulty. These people were going through persecution for their faith. They were, they were not rich, necessarily rich people. Things were not going well all the time, and yet the Lord was there among them. The Lord was taking care of them, and Paul is exhorting them to continued confidence in the God that loved them. He saved them. They'd live for him, and he was taking care of them. He says, be patient. Amen? Be patient. You know, it's difficult when you're going through difficulty, and it's prolonged to be patient. It is. Patience is defined as the suffering afflictions, pain, toil, and calamity, provocation, or other evil with a calm, unruffled temper, endurance without murmuring or fretfulness. And folks, that's hard to do sometimes when the difficulties you're living through are prolonged and sometimes maybe even harsh to some standards. And yet, folks, it's, the, it's at times like that we need to, you know, folks, keep our faith in the Lord. Our confidence is never misplaced in God, even though God doesn't deliver us from all the difficulty. He's there to deliver us through the difficulty. Amen? We have to have patience. Trust Him anyway, even when we're struggling with knowing how. Look at me to Psalm 27. Psalm 27. <clears throat> And I'm not telling you something that many of you don't know. Even as, even as Paul would, God would have us remember. Amen? Remember the past. Remember patience. You know, patience is difficult. Someone once said, don't pray for patience because as soon as you do, you're asking for trouble. And we feel like that. And yet God doesn't, isn't just afflicting us for affliction's sake. In Psalm 27, look at verse 13. Psalm 27, looking at verse 13, David writes here, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord and be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. Folks, there are times when 
patience has to tell us, you know, there's nothing you can do about it anyway. But pray and wait. Pray and wait. And that's hard. You know what? Because we human beings, we look at a problem and sometimes we say, well, man, I got to do something. What if there's nothing you can do? Well, you can pray and listen. As David wrote, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Amen. Our confidence needs always to be in the Lord of Psalm 37 and 7. Psalm 37 and verse 7. Psalm 37 and 7, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. You know what, folks? That's our day. Rest in the Lord, wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in the way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. And there's great wickedness going on in our nation today by those that believe they have the power to do as they please. But the Bible says the powers that be are ordained of God. The Bible says, by me kings reign and princes decree justice. The same king or prince or president that God has allowed to rise to power, God can bring down as well. Rest in the Lord, wait patiently for him. Listen, let's not lose our confidence in God's ability. Amen? God is on the throne. Romans 5, a call to remember the past, a call to remember patience. Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Romans 5, looking at verse 1. Therefore, Romans 5 and 1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, justified as if we never sinned by faith in Christ, by whom we also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. Folks, patience is something we have to learn. Now, some people are more patient than others. My wife has been very patient with me over uh, 37 years of marriage. And I wanted to say this too. Um, Brother Larry, how, how long have you and your wife been married now? 58. It was this week? Well, amen. Congratulations. There have been some others that have been married for a long time. And you know what? I know your wife is a very patient woman. Amen and amen and amen. Wives are that way. Often they're patient with us not-headed husbands. But patience has to be learned. And folks... It's learned often in the, in the school of tribulation and difficulty and trial. Look with me to um, <clears throat> James chapter 1. James chapter 1. <clears throat> a little bird whispered in my ear, brother, about your... your man. Now, she's a nice bird. Okay, She's not a vulture or anything. Amen. She was a nice bird, made me aware of that. But praise God, I remember years ago, I went to Hawaii with my wife. And my family. <clears throat> but we were coming back from Hawaii, and there's a little couple in line behind us as we were getting ready to board on the aircraft coming back. 
And, and this young couple said, well, why did you guys come to Hawaii? And I said, well, this is our 30th anniversary. And they went, whoa, whoa, married so long. Let me say this, 30 can be long to a lot of people today. Praise God, there are 58 years. People, I remember reading some articles of different people married 60 years plus. Wow. Amen. Anyway, James 1. <clears throat> if you will, look with me to verse 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, with the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire one another. He's talking about spiritual maturity. As we grow in the Lord, as we face difficulty and trial and what have you, as we learn to have continued confidence in the Lord, we can be patient in the trial, in the difficulty. In Romans 15, Romans 15, <clears throat> And if you will, look at verses uh, 4 <clears throat> through 6. Romans 15, verses 4 through 6. The Bible says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another, according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and with one mouth glorify God, even the Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Folks, you know what? We can learn patience by the hope that we find repeatedly in the scripture. You know, there are times when people feel hopeless. I, I remember, and I don't mean to go on about this, but because it's fresh in my mind, I was talking to my mom on the phone. She said, Dan, she said, can you, can you give me some scripture? Give me some scripture to help me, to encourage me. And she was expressing a feeling of, a sense of some hopelessness. Now she's saved by the grace of God, and yet people at times feel hopeless, even Christians. Uh, David wrote in the Psalms, he said, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. And how can we have hope in God? How can we have our confidence renewed by scripture? Amen. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And all of us need that. Amen. All of us need the scripture. All of us need to have at times our confidence renewed, our patience in the Lord renewed. He's in Hebrews 12 and 1. Hebrews 12 and 1. We need to, if you will, follow the example of Christ. And remember, Christ, Jesus Christ is the Son of God and the man, Christ Jesus. In Hebrews 12 and 1, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which, which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Paul was pointing them to follow the example of Christ, of patience. Remember this, folks. The Christian life is not a sprint. It's not a hundred-yard dash. 
It's a lifelong marathon. Amen. And we're going to need patience. We're going to need confidence. And at times our confidence renewed in the Lord so that we might do the will of God. Amen. So that we might do the will of God, even as Paul called them to. And lastly, he calls them not only to remember the past, but to remember the patience. And he calls them to remember the promises. Look back to Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, and look, if you will, the verses 36 and through verse 39. For you have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them that draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Folks, you know what? They have, we have so many promises of God that we can look to. That's another reason why we have the Bible. Now, you know, there are times you ever made a promise to somebody and you've forgotten it. And then suddenly they come to you and remind you, you promised to do it. You know, our kids are good that way, aren't they? Our, 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 be careful promising your kid anything. Because they'll remember. Better not to promise than to promise and you forget because they're going to remind you. You know, folks, look, if you will, to 2 Corinthians 1. 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 20. 2 Corinthians 1 and 20. Second <clears throat> Corinthians 1 and verse 20. Bible says, For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him, amen, under the glory of God by us. Folks, every promise of God is a positive thing. Every one of them. John 10. John 10. And 27. John 10, beginning in verse 27. <clears throat> my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Folks, God says, I give unto them eternal life. Not probationary life, not life based upon your performance, but rather eternal life based upon God's performance in Jesus Christ. Amen. For you, a promise. John 14 and 1. John 14 and 1. <clears throat> John 14 and 1. The Bible says, Let not your heart be troubled. Jesus speaking here. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. If you, he says, You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whether I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The way to heaven is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And Christ promised I'm going away to prepare a place for you, and if I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. 
a promise of God, a place in heaven for you. And Christ is coming again. You know, we've talked so much lately about the coming of Christ, the second coming of Christ. He's coming to get us, amen? And we may not have to taste of death as Christians. But even if we do, David wrote in the Psalm 23, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. God is coming to conduct us over. Even, if it go, even though we go the way of the death, way of death, the valley of the shadow of death, God is with us. Amen. In 2 Corinthians 5 and, and verse 8, Paul wrote, To be absent, we are confident. Look, look, look there real quick. I want you to see that one. I'm, I'm going to mess it up. Amen. That's what I get for trying to quote sometimes. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 5 and 8. And I'll read the, get the wording here. Paul writes this. We are confident. 2 Corinthians 5 and 8. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. The moment you die, having trusted Christ, to be absent from the body and you'll leave the body behind is to be present with the Lord immediately. It'll, it won't take long to go through the valley of the shadow of death and you won't go alone. The Lord will come and conduct you over in 1 Corinthians 15, 51, 1 Corinthians 15 and 51. Paul writes here, Behold, I show you a mystery. It's a mystery to many in this world. It's going to be a mystery to some when we're gone. 1 Corinthians 15 and 51, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, he's talking about death, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be a steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. He's talking about the second coming. Now let me say this. When the Lord comes, we're going to be gone. And this corruptible body will put on incorruption. Now those that have died in, in Christ, their spirit's in heaven. Their body lays in the grave. Their body's going to come out of the grave. It'll become a glorified body. They will be joined together with that glorified body and will dwell together with the Lord in the clouds with the Lord forever. Promise of God. The Lord is coming again. The Lord will conduct us over, whether it be through the valley of the shadow of death or at a second coming. Paul is trying to exhort these Christians to a continued confidence in the Lord. Now let me ask you a question this morning. Are you trusting the Lord? Have you, are you saved by the grace of God? When was the day of salvation for you? When did, when, when did God illuminate your understanding, help you to see you know, you're lost, you're not a Christian, you need to be saved, you need to put your faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone? In repentance, you turn from your sin to Christ, trusting Him and Him alone. Put your confidence in Him. When was the day of salvation in your life? And if it's so, 
How's your confidence in the Lord? You know, sometimes even Christians have been shaken by things that they see going on in the world around them. Maybe you're going through something right now that has shaken you a little bit. Let me tell you something. Paul wants you and God wants you to, your confidence to be renewed in him, to continue trusting him. It's better to trust the Lord than anybody else. Amen. And as I close, the story is told of a little girl standing on the street corner in London, England. It's a pea super fog. And she's on the corner of a very busy street. The cars are passing by and she can't hardly see anything. And yet she's pacing up and down from the corner and back, looking into the faces of people, looking for some help, looking for someone to conduct her over, pacing back and forth, looking up in the faces sometimes that are angry, sometimes in the faces of people who just don't care. She, this went on for some time until finally... She happened to glance up and she saw a tall, stately looking man who had a kind look on, it, on his face. And immediately she had confidence that here's the man to conduct me over. And she looked up at him and said, Sir, can you conduct me over? Can you take me over there? I, I'm afraid. And he looked down at her and said, Sure. He took her by the hand and he conducted her over one of the busier streets in London in a pea soup and fog. And, you know, he got her across, and she was safe. And later on, he told the story to friends, and he said, you know, the, one of the greatest compliments I've ever had is when that little girl asked me if I would help her over there. I'm going to tell you something, folks. The Lord is for us, and he's going to help us from here to there. He's going to help us from here to there. Some of our family members and friends who've already gone before, he's helped them from here to there. Folks, there's no reason not to trust the Lord. God has taken care of you. God has blessed you. God has helped you in time past. He's going to keep on helping. You know, uh, the Bible says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. Let me ask you a question. Are you saved today? Are you truly saved? And folks, if you are, stop a minute. When you're upset, stop a minute and think and look back at what God has done for you. Look back and remember how the Lord has brought you from this place to this place. Amen? Watch how God has taken care of you in financial difficulty. And watch how at times we've learned patience because of it. Amen? The Lord wants us to have confidence in Him and it is never misplaced when we do. Amen? Let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about this message or if you would like information about our church, please visit us online at bbcdickinson.com.